Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Well, church family, we've got a pretty awesome opportunity to, to hear from a few of our uh, missionaries that we support in Doug and Holly Harold. Um, both of them are homegrown. They're MG grads. They're from this area. Doug grew up just a mile outside of town. And, um, and Holly, who is a bear, maybe you guys know John Bear, their siblings, and you know some of their families that are around this area. Um, we like to say that, man, these are our own. And uh, not just with the Madison Grant connection, but Doug is actually a cousin. And he won't tell you that because he's a little bit embarrassed. But uh, I'll tell you that because I'm pumped and proud of it. And so um, Doug and Holly and the mission that they do in Guatemala, he's going to come up and share for, for a few minutes. But the show is the luncheon afterwards. So please uh, stay, go downstairs immediately after the service for, uh, for this luncheon as they're going to put on um, and really show us every, all the stuff that they're doing in Guatemala. So, Doug, if you would, come on up and, uh, and share with us what, uh, what you guys are doing in Guatemala. Good morning. You guys hear me okay? All right. Let me get my stuff ready here. A lot of new faces this time, a lot of new faces, which is good, right? So um, it's good to be here. It does feel like it's coming home, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to speak and share a little bit about what we're doing in Guatemala, what God's doing, and what you guys are a part of. So uh, big thanks to Pastor Brock and Pastor Andrew for allowing us to, to chat. So I'm going to try and go over this as quickly as I can. I'm limited in time this morning, but like Pastor Brock alluded to, we'll talk a little bit more um, during the lunch. So a lot has happened since the last time we spoke here, and our ministry has really grown Uh, God has opened some doors, and God has provided in some ways that we could never imagine. And one of the very, the biggest thing is we've been able to um, purchase our own property and build. And so one of the biggest things that we've done right here is the medical clinic. And um, it's funny because as we were building this this clinic in the village, uh, the people in the village called it the hospital. They still call it the hospital, which it is not. But to them, that's what it's like because there's such um, lack of access to medical care. And so for them to have a medical clinic right there in their village that's affordable is, is a huge blessing to them. Next slide. This is the front of our clinic, and we've got some of our team here. Uh, I'll touch brief, briefly, you'll see um, an American man. He's a doctor from, from Cincinnati, Dr. Doug Collins. We got connected with him. I don't remember exactly the connection. His wife is a, uh, a medical assistant, and they had been asking us for a while if there's anything that they could do to help us, and when they found out we are open a medical clinic, they wanted to be part of it. And so he came down on a sabbatical and was there for our grand opening, 
and really helped us start the clinic. So that's been a huge blessing for us to be able to have that connection, have somebody there to really um, see it along. And then you'll see on the right uh, here, this is Dr. Uh, Orlando and Dr. Gabby. They are they're our staff. They are the doctors. They're Guatemalan, which is important to us. We want the people from that country to be able to, to run this and, 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 um, and be, a, be a part of it. What's really special about Gabby and Orlando, they're, they're husband and wife, but they have a heart for missions. They have a heart for Guatemalan people, and that's just... It's, it's just incredible to see the love that they have and, and really a mission that God has really put into their life. In addition to the medical clinic, this is kind of our bread and butter. This is what we've talked about and really what we've done for, since we've started our ministry in December of 2014. This is our new school and our feeding center. And this is a huge blessing. So now we have a, uh, two, two big classrooms, a large dining hall, uh, a nice large kitchen, an office, things like that. Whereas before we had this one kind of big room and we did everything there and we ran out of space. So this, God's really blessed, it, blessed us with this to have a great facility, not only that we can call our own, but it's allowing us to grow and be able to serve more people. Just so you kind of get a context of the size, this is um, one of our staff speaking in our dining hall, and this is about one-third of it, and that's probably pretty close to the size of our previous building. So um, it kind of shows you kind of the, the growth that we've had, and so we're, we're just super excited to be able to, to call this home and, and have a, a really a great place to serve. Next slide. And the view's not bad either. You can see the two volcanoes in the back. This is from the terrace, so we've constructed in a way that we can grow. Um, we've been pressured or asked to, to really build a school. I don't know that we'll ever do that, but we've constructed the building in a way that we can grow, and that's the view from, from that building. We started construction on this project in January of 2022, and it was a long project. There's still a few things to do, but it was, it, was, it was a big, big, big project. And so as we focused on the building, which was important, right, we wanted to get all the parts right, and we wanted to get the construction material right, all that, and get it built correctly. Uh, one of the things that we didn't put attention to was the playground. And so here's a, here's a picture, a couple pictures that we had taken, and you see on the, on the left, the kids had, no, go back, go back one. They had constructed a teeter-totter out of an old two-by-four and a cement block. So for them, that's pretty normal. I mean, that, that shows their creativity and, and you know, their, their public school doesn't have a, a playground. But, and then you see on, on the right, um, the kid in the box, he was just running around chasing the girls. That's Anselmo. <laughs> So we're like, okay, we've, we've got to do something to, to make this, you know, more fun. Because, you know, it is a ministry, and we do need to feed them. We're going to educate them. We're going to, you know, we're going to share Christ's love with them. But we also want to have fun with them. And so if you go to the next slide, right before we came back to the States, we were able to build 
construct three really good swing sets, and that has been a, a hit. I mean, the line is long, and you know we've had fights because people won't get off of the swing, and so it's been fun. I don't know if you can see the kid on the right, his smile just, I mean, he's got the biggest smile. So uh, it's been really neat to, to expand that and, and see them have, have fun. Next slide. So our feeding center continues. That's really the heartbeat of our ministry. That's really in this village that we work, in the village of El Sitio. There's a lot of sickness, a lot of malnutrition, and we really felt like the best way to kind of attack that was through a feeding center where we provide a balanced meal. And they will have their best meals of the week at our feeding center. We do that three times a week. And um, our very first feeding center was, I was looking this up the other day, it was in 2016. And there was a handful of kids, and we had bananas. That's what, that was the, the opening of our feeding center. And now they have fried chicken and rice and beans. They get meat at least two, two times a week. And they get fruit and vegetables. So it's really a blessing for them. And really what we're trying to do is just provide them a little bit of a nutritious meal to help mom and dad. Because uh, it's, it's a hard life there, and they don't make a lot. So... This is just a little help for them for, for, um, for, their, for their health. So if you want to go to the next slide, we, we have a rule in our feeding center. If your kids don't go to school, which is common, then you can't participate in the feeding center. And so it's important for us to, to reinforce education. And so uh, we, we have pretty good attendance. I mean, almost 100%, not quite of kids that are in school now. So, but you see, we feed them from the very smallest up to the oldest. We've, we've recently taken in um, senior citizens. In this case, there's two widows. Uh, they, that their family was kind of taking care of them, and they wanted to participate, so we said, come on in. So uh, they're my favorite, the, the old ladies, because they, they have great stories, and um, it's really fun to see them enjoying themselves. Next slide. Another big thing that we've done since we spoke last time is we have two full-time staff. So on the left, we have our two teachers, uh, Lady and Leslie, and they run our, our preschool and they help with our after-school program. On the right-hand side is Donia Odie. She's been with us from the very beginning, and she does all of our um, like Bible classes and lessons with the, with the kids. Next slide. <clears throat> Our preschool now is full-time, Monday through Friday. We are, registered, we are in the process of registering with the government, so we'll be a recognized school, at least through preschool. So it's been really neat to see kids come in and, and you know, get to learn and, and, and make new friends. And we've opened this up to the outside community. The, like in our feeding center, we have a certain defined number of families. We have about 45 families that we work with. On our feeding center, we opened it up to the, to the community, and it was re- we had really good feedback. We actually had to turn kids away because so many kids wanted to join. Next slide. Um, I will touch on this later, but our teachers also do tutoring, so education is a big focus. And so they work with the elementary kids in the afternoon. Mom and dad typically aren't going to know how to read or write, and so this is our way of helping them so they can do their homework. Next slide. Scholarships, this has been a huge, 
benefit to the community. If, most, if kids can make it to the, to the sixth grade, that's a, that's a success. And a lot of kids don't make it that far. And then if they do make it to sixth grade, they quit. It's to go and the girls will go home and help mom with the younger siblings, or the boys will go work in the fields with mom and dad, or with, with dad. So this is, a, this is just really exciting for, for us to see, because you see on the right-hand side, that's Celia. She was one of our first scholarship students. She just graduated from high school, and she's, she's going to be starting college. So just really neat to see how they've taken advantage of this opportunity. Last thing I wanted to touch on is um, our Christmas last year. As a church, you guys sent us a huge donation. Actually, I think the majority of our funds came from you guys, which was, was nice. So they did it each year, big party, and the kids love it because they get to, uh, you know, when, when they get to come to the center and not just do schoolwork, right? They get to come and play, and the, the biggest hit was the cookie making. You can see they, they had fun doing that. You can go to the next slide. Uh, we had pinatas, we had candy. You can go to the next slide, please. Um, every family had, uh, we gave them a Christmas basket, so it was filled with food items, but also some other things like candies and coffee and some of the normal things that we wouldn't give them in a food, food bag. So the, the people were just so thrilled. Last slide, please. Um, Christmas there is very different than here, right? Because when, when you live in that level of poverty, there's really not a Christmas. I mean, you get together as a family, but these kids, we were able to share a small Christmas present with them. So you can see the, the looks on their faces. They were just thrilled. So this is the highlight of their year when they can get a little Barbie or a little Matchbox car. And it's really cool for us to be able to be, to be part of it. And we want to say thank you guys for your support. Thank you for your partnership. And then you go to the last slide. <clears throat> and just to, I know we get to talk a little bit more later, but I want to share real quickly. Um, a good friend of ours, they are very intentional about the way that they live. They, they, they retired from teaching, and two months later, they were on the mission field. They had, that was their retirement, was to go and work on, on the mission field, learn a new language. And they've been a big, huge encouragement to us. And one of the things that he told me the first time I met him, he says, it's something that a Franciscan monk says, and it says, you say you care for the poor, then name them. It was really powerful because we say we want to help people and we want to help the poor, but I think what God calls us to do is something a little bit deeper. It's to live life with them, right? And, and, and really to love our neighbor. And so these are some stories that we'll tell later about Lola, who... Um, sweet grandma, and then there's a little boy there named Angel who dad left him and his mom died. And so we want to share a little bit more of those stories so you can hear those and just hear what God's doing through our, through our ministry and through the help that you guys provide. Thank you. no doubt, doing amazing stuff in Guatemala. Something else that I think is fun to mention with some of our TU students here is that Doug and Holly um, are TU alum. And, uh, and Doug, were you, yeah, Doug is, yeah. Were you uh, Sammy or Wingets? Sammy, well, 
Wingets. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say if it was Sammy, we'd have to forgive you. But Wingets, guys, I mean, come on, we're down for that. So, um, yeah, we like Wingets, guys. Um, we've got a, we're going to have offering plates in the back if we get those um, ready and set up. And as I'm talking, I want you, more importantly, to be listening to the Lord. And perhaps God is going to put upon your heart a saying, you know what, if I can't go, I do want to give. And there is a way that I can be intentional to impact the nations, to impact people outside of myself. Instead of only being a consumer and getting more things for myself, what is it that I can do with all of the blessings that I have been given to give to the least of these, to give to those that are um, in, in stress? And in, uh, uh, James chapter, uh, I'm sorry, um, in uh, James chapter 1, it talks about that pure and undefiled religion is to the widow and the orphan their distress in time of need. And so we want to be intentional to be uh, reaching out to those that um, are in need. I want to read some scripture to you out of Acts chapter 1. And so if you've got your Bibles, you want to go there. But first, perhaps you guys remember this show. It was called um, The Little Shop of Horrors. Does anybody remember that movie whenever it came out? But there was the big plant. And the big plant would walk around. It was the guy that was in the movie, um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Y'all remember him? I don't know his name, but we just remember him from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But he was in this other movie as well. And the plant would just yell out these three words. Feed me, Seymour. Anybody remember that? Feed me, Seymour. All the time, that's what he was trying to, to communicate. And there was, uh, there's something that I can also liken unto the American church as we come to a church based upon a consumer mentality of the West is you need to feed me. And I'm coming and I'm going to kind of interview you. What can you give me? What do you got for my kids? Is the music cool? I didn't really like that. Is the message relevant? Eh. And we'll grade the church based upon what they can give me as a consumer. Rather than saying, I don't want to live as a consumer, I want to live missional and saying, yes, the, the church is partly for me, but only to get me healthy so that I can go live my life intentionally for someone else. And so while we do want the church to minister to you, it's very short-sighted if it only ends with you. And so sometimes we can become distracted even by attending church. We're distracted with attending church rather than living on mission. Distraction, I think, ultimately leads to disobedience. Whenever I'm distracted from the call and I'm distracted from the mission, I end up getting into stuff that I shouldn't be getting involved with. Take my kids, for example. It becomes bedtime and we're like, hey, let's go to bed. Everybody get, get ready and we're heading off to bed. That is the mission. That's what you have been told by your father. That is your purpose on the planet right now is to go to bed. Yet they become so distracted with, I want to get one more jump on the trampoline. Well, how in the world are we out on the trampoline right now? We should be heading into going to bed. Well, but I forgot to brush my teeth. We got to get back out of bed and go brush our teeth. Ah, I want to get a drink of water. We got to get out and get a drink of water. Ah, you didn't read me a bedtime story. Oh my gosh, we're reading bedtime stories. Ah, you didn't, you didn't wrestle and tickle me. Oh, I forgot all my homework. I still got to do. And all of a sudden, we are running around doing a hundred other things that have nothing to do with the mission of going to bed. And eventually, we become so caught up with all of these other things that we would rather do than what the Father has called us to do. 
And ultimately, I believe distraction leads us into disobedience. They, they, I say go to bed, and what they hear is, let's party like it's 1999. <laughs> they think it is party time, and for whatever reason, good people, good children, good kids are so distracted. And it's not that the church is bad or wrong, that we want to be fed, and we want something for our kids, and we want to have good music. Not that that's necessarily wrong, but it's so short-sighted. And ultimately, I believe, will lead to disobedience if we become focused on something that isn't connected to a much larger mission and vision, which is to reach the lost and to disciple nations and to, and to meet people in distress in time of need. It's pure and undefiled religion. And so really getting back to the purpose of our mission. Living on mission is not about going to a specific place, but it's being intentional with where you are. Maybe as we talk about Guatemala today, you're thinking, not interested in going to Guatemala. Then I would say, are you interested? If you can't go across, uh, across the world, can you go across the street? And can you be intentional with the people that God has put in your life now? And just There are people around you right now and it's not by accident i think god is he doesn't live accidentally he doesn't live kind of sporadically he lives very intentionally and he puts strategic people in strategic places for a much larger purpose than just going to to work just showing up to your job he is doing something in your life to be a minister of the gospel to impact people's lives to show them who jesus is to live sent There is a go in the gospel, and there's an intentionality that I believe that the church needs to step into, not that that we should applaud each other and congratulate each other for good church attendance. My gosh, it's so much more than that. And so, God, would you do something inside of me? I want to have an encounter with the cross that I would see you on the purpose of why you came, that I would be so encountered with the cross that I would want to encounter the lost that I would be so moved with what you did that I would want to give my life and lay it down in a similar way. You know, whenever I think about why we are here as Fairmount Friends, there's a history of movement in the Friends movement. We go back into the, to the 1800s, and we see that Jonesboro Friends, just to the north of us, Jonesboro Friends was missional. They had an outreach mindset, and they did a church plant called Back Creek Friends. Is that wild? Back Creek Friends, which is just a mile outside of town, is a church plant that came out of Jonesboro Friends. And Back Creek said it's not enough just for us to have our our church service. We want to live missional. And you know what they did? Back Creek Friends did a church plant inside this up-and-coming little town called Fairmount. And they planted a church which became Fairmount Friends. We are sitting here today because someone lived missional. Someone had a bigger vision than only coming in and doing cute little church services. They were thinking, what's the next city? What's the next town? Who's the next people? They lived outside of themselves. I'll tell you that if we live kind of navel-gazing and looking at our own self, and I just want to get a cool boat, and I want to get a, you know, a, a nicer set of irons, and I want to get you know, more stuff, and I hope everybody has a cool boat. I hope you get a really cool driver. That would be awesome. But if it ends there, you missed it because you're going to show up to heaven with your cool driver and the keys to your boat. While the nations went ignored 
They weren't even on our minds. And God's saying, what did you do with how I changed your life and I put something inside of you and I wanted you to ache and to bleed for those that were far from me? You're going to say, God, look at my boat. Look at my boat, God. I'm not against anybody as a boat. I'd love to have a boat. I'm wanting to provoke something a little bit deeper inside of you that has zero connected to consumerism, but has everything connected to giving my life away. Jesus, you've done something so much bigger on the cross. Could I see you in something so much bigger and greater that I would want to give my life to something that matters? I'll tell you, if it's only about consuming, then once you are dead, your life is done. But if you will give your life away, all of a sudden you can outlive your life and it becomes exponentially greater when you think of someone else other than yourself. To consume life upon yourself is not only selfish, but it's just foolishness. Because there's so much more to the story than just consumer. Here's out of the rich heritage of Quakerism. This is one of the things that they talked about in 1690 to 1825. It marked what we call the age of quietism. This came with pros and cons with it. The, the virtue of waiting on God is, is an honor, no doubt. But it came with some unfortunate effects. And even today in our church services, we have this little nod to our history where we pause and we just sit in silence. It's, it, the, the purpose was to listen to the Holy Spirit, to hear what God was saying, that someone would then speak, and maybe someone would have a scripture, someone would have a prayer, someone would have, they would hear something from the Lord, maybe someone would sing a song, but we're listening and we're leaning into the Holy Spirit. What are you, you going to say for us? There was such a dependency upon the Holy Spirit. But it moved in from this quiet, what what was radical, that was birthed with George Fox, where people were speaking and and with fire. They were jailed and thrown in prison and beaten and and drug out of cities. All of a sudden, we've got really quiet. And the Holy Spirit didn't, what, what, what we were, you know, be still and listen to the Holy Spirit or go because God has called us to, to, to speak in his name. There was like this weird rub that started happening in our, our, our history of, you know, just I can't do anything without the Holy Spirit or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There became kind of this little, little shift and the movement started getting quieter. And we never want to see a movement become a monument. And man, whenever the the brakes got jammed, and here's one of the things that happened, two things were lost in this latter approach is is what this this book is, is saying in the rich heritage of Quakerism. First, we no longer sense the fullness of joy that vibrated in the messages of the first publishers of truth, and rarely the compelling missionary passion so common during the youthful period of the movement. To come back, not just as Quakers, but as Christians. To say, a Christian is to be Christ-like. I want to be like Christ. And he lived very missional. He left his homeland. He came to a a different land very intentionally with his life. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father has promised, which he's talking about the Holy Spirit, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This book is called Acts. You want to know why it's called Acts? If you don't know, you better ask somebody. It's called, literally, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It was what they were doing. It was how they were living. And so there's like, this is what these guys were up to. And that's too long of a title. So they just called it Acts. And these were the acts that these guys were doing. I just want to ask you a question. If someone would write a story about the acts of your life, how long would that book be? If someone were to write a, a book about our church and the acts that this church was doing in its community, would it just be a couple paragraphs? Your life, our church? Or would we have story after story after story and books upon books and volumes of the acts of the friends, the acts of your life, because you live so missionally, intentionally, on purpose with your life. There was just so much stuff that was happening. I just want to encourage you people, there's more than just showing up. It's going out on purpose with a mission. If someone were to write a book about our acts, would they write that they went to some Bible studies. They met in little groups from time to time. They occasionally would criticize each other. They liked to gossip about each other. And then they died and went to heaven. That's a sad story. Because there's so much more. You missed it. You just missed that there could have been a lot more to the story. Charles Spurgeon, he writes this, and it moves my heart to think, man, when was the last time that I was broken for the lost? When's the last time that I wept over those that are far from him? Spurgeon writes, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with uh, in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. I want to tell you right now that I want God to just do something. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Do something in our hearts. Move us. I want us, I'll tell you, it's helpful when our hearts are moved, not just with some ideas in our head, but to be gripped in our hearts. When you get emotional, you get missional. I need my heart gripped and move and shake and provoke my emotions that therefore I will go. My life usually goes based upon my strongest desires, my strongest passions. And I want to live into the strength 
of my strongest God-centered passions that I possibly can live. Jesus trained his disciples to go. He did not train them to stay. He trained them to be sent. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. John 20, 21. I'm sending you. You got to go. You got to go. You got to do this thing. 40 times in the Gospels, Jesus says, I was sent. I was sent. Jesus passed the baton, and now it's, it's our turn. Here in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, it says that there were disciples in that group. One of the disciples, his name was Thomas. Maybe you don't know a whole bunch about Thomas, but I bet you do remember one thing about Thomas. Anybody know what a little nickname we have for Thomas? Doubting Thomas. How would you like your whole life to be like raised up in Hebrew school and you're going through rabbinical training and you're doing all these sort of things and you find a rabbi and Jesus and you're following him and you're giving your life to him and you're serving and all of these disciples were blowing it up and miracles and healing and raising the dead and casting out demons. Thomas was one of these guys. But the one thing we remember about you was your weakness. What a bummer. That'd be a bummer. You were doing the stuff. And just in this one moment, Jesus shows up and you're like, Jesus, I don't fully believe this thing. Can I see your hands? And then forever we're like, oh, what a doubter. What a, what a loser, man. He wanted to see the holes in Jesus' hands. Loser. Doubting Thomas. And I don't know if you're in here and you're thinking, you, you hear this, you see these pictures that just like grip you and move you. You're kind of caught up in some vision and, and, and you, you, you hear the scriptures and what we ought to be doing and something is like alive inside of you, yet maybe just a little bit timid, like, ah, I, I, I want to go, but I don't, I, don't, I don't have the money. I don't even know how to apply for a passport, man. Um, it's dangerous. I don't know, and, 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 and I stay away from what I don't know, and we can kind of live into our fears, or we, or we kind of allow the unknown to write the script of what we're going to do as far as missions. Doubting Thomas had this moment where that could have written the script for the rest of his life. I just want to encourage you, if there's anything like that that's wavering just a touch, check out what Thomas did with his life. After Jesus had this encounter, all of his disciples went to the four corners of the earth. Thomas traveled from Jerusalem to India on foot. As, as the bird flies, that's 3,000 miles. History records Thomas then went to, to India from Jerusalem. To travel these roads, it's around bodies of water. you got to go through towns. Um, he likely traveled more than six thousand miles walking thomas was gripped with something six thousand miles some of us wouldn't walk 60 feet to go talk to our neighbor i don't know where you're at as it comes to living missionally and maybe you've wet your leg on it a couple times but i think that god's got more for you and he wants to restore Thomas and do something ma massive, something awesome in your life. Whether it's 6,000 miles, it's 60 feet to your neighbor, or it's 6 feet to the person standing in the grocery line. Just saying, God, here I am, use me. I want to put a massive yes in my spirit. And I want to respond with a yes to you. Jonathan Edwards, he had these 70 resolutions that he made. And one of the resolutions was this. 
to live with all my might while I do live. To live with everything that I've got while I'm on the planet. I get one shot, I get one at bat, and I'm going all in. I'm going to swing for the fence, especially as it comes with intentional, missional living. Many, perhaps sitting here this morning, you don't know all of the Herald story. But I want to get a little bit emotional just so that we can get missional, just to connect a little bit more around what they have done in their life. Doug was a money manager, an investor, um, successful coming out of college and through, through his 20s, 30s. They just built their dream home down by Indianapolis, the Fishers, Noblesville area. And then they get a call from God. It says, sell all. Punt personal pleasure. Let's go. In January of 2005, Doug and Holly Harold traveled to Guatemala to adopt their daughter, Maya. During their trip, the Heralds stayed at a nice hotel, ate at nice restaurants, and visited tourist-friendly areas. While they very much enjoyed their trip, they had no plans or any reason to return to Guatemala. The Heralds stayed in contact with Maya's foster family, the Sosas. Ricardo Sosa is an evangelical pastor, and their family and church did a lot of work in the impoverished areas. The Sosas also maintained contact with Maya's birth family. A few months after returning from Guatemala, the Heralds received a photo of Maya's birth family's home. The photo was heartbreaking, as it showed the terrible conditions that so many Guatemalan families live in. The photo was also a stark contrast to what the Heralds had experienced in their few days in Guatemala. God would use this photo to plant a seed in the herald's heart for the people of Guatemala. Through their friendship with the Sosa family, the heralds began to financially support various outreach events. They built homes, provided food baskets, donated clothes, and provided annual Christmas celebrations for hundreds of kids. During this time, the seed that God had planted earlier was growing into a full-grown call to ministry. 2014, the Herald family officially formed Hands of Grace Guatemala, nonprofit, and began fundraising for their ministry. In December of 2014, Doug, Holly, and their three kids moved to Guatemala. As you heard Doug speaking... Doug and Holly, they think with the mind of God. You know, whenever the Bible says that, that worship the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, he says, worship the Lord your God with all of your mind. Use this thing to partner with God to think. I want my mind to bow and to bend before the Lord. And God, what would you do with my mind to think about you and how I can serve others? And all of a sudden, God takes over this imagination. They start taking up, we're going to plant schools. And out of the schools, we're going to scholarship kids. And we're going to get, get them books and backpacks and, and shoes. And we're going to start a hospital. And now they have multiple doctors. 
that are a part of this thing. And, and we're going to do Christmas parties and build playgrounds. And, and we're going to restore hope. And we're going to be Jesus to these people. And we're going to preach the gospel. And, and we're going to come in alongside these people. Like something happened inside of their heart. And they said, I want to think with the mind of God. I want to worship you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Something happened big time. Not just to say that you want to help, this is what Doug said, not just to say that you want to help the poor, but to live life with them. That's what the heralds are doing. You may not be one that says, I want to go, but I believe everyone in here is someone who can give. That we can give to support, that we can give to bless, we can give to see what God will continue to do. And this offering plate, we're going to have offering plates downstairs at our luncheon as well to give. You know, in the Bible, I was just reading this this morning in the Gospel of Luke. It was talking about the widow uh, and the, the widow's might. And they took up an offering. And all the big wigs were writing fat checks and throwing in extra money. It says that they gave out of their abundance. But there was this one lady that walked up here and she had two coins. And she gave all that she had and God said, she gave more than anyone because she gave out of her lack while everyone else gave out of their abundance. I want to tell you, no matter how much it is or you find yourself in a different position, just, just submit your heart to the Lord right now and say, God, what would you want to do with me? Perhaps it's tight, but God, I'm just by faith. I'm going to say, you're a missional God. You will take care of me. I want to live on mission. I want to give. Perhaps it's a step of saying, you know what, I'm going to not do lunch with my other plans, and I'm going to go downstairs, and I want to hear more about what this family's doing. These guys are wild, and I just think that God wants to do something. And you're going to come down and by faith, maybe start taking some steps. Maybe God will want to send you or utilize you to give. So in just a moment, as we get ready to pray, and we're going to get out of here and, and, uh, and head on with our days, please think and ask the Lord, God, what I, what I give. And right now, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to do? And then also make our way downstairs as we do this luncheon. All right? All right? All right? All right. Yeah, all right. There we go. Good. We can do this, church family. We want to be a blessing to the heralds. We want to give. We want to be a blessing to Guatemala. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for a, for a family that says, here am I. Use me. Here am I. Send me, God. Just send me and do something awesome and radical with my life. And Father, we just pray a strength over them. We just pray a strength over their marriage right now. That Doug and Holly, that you would just continue to, to keep the love and the excitement for one another going. God, we pray that you would strengthen their kids and Saren and Cooper and Maya. God, that you would strengthen um, their relationship. God, I pray they would continue to fall in love with you and the call. God, let us not get weary in well-doing. Father, we just speak life over their bodies, over their health that you would strengthen them so that they can serve you with all of their strength. God, we pray that you would encourage their hearts, lift their heads today, Father. God, I pray that, that, in, that in all things, as they glorify you and they bring blessing to others, God, that you would just get a rich reward from their life. Bless them today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.